I'm Sammy Lucas, and I'm Romantically Challenged. Okay, so what if everything you've been told about relationships is a lie? Yeah, okay, it is a really big question, but it's one my guest Simone decided to explore after the breakup of a long-term relationship. Simone says COVID also prompted her to sit still for a minute and reassess everything in her life, including her views on sex and love. And after asking herself if she even wanted a relationship, Simone decided she's now looking for a creationship instead. I am so fascinated by other people's views on love and sex and dating and relationships. Everyone has their own beautiful, complicated story. And I'm really grateful to each and every one of my guests for opening up and sharing theirs. Here's Simone. Hi, I'm Simone Melissus. I am a 50-year-old woman. I'm single. I have never had kids of my own, and yet I did have a stepchild from 5 till 13. Dating for me is, oh, I'm going to hold up the uh, interesting card. It's I've definitely got some stories there, been there, done that. Uh, my ideal partner is someone who is in allowance of what I choose. I'm a pretty busy person and I absolutely love what I do. And, you know, previous 2020, traveled 10 months of the year. So someone who is willing to contribute to me and create something greater. My life motto mantra would be, imagine what you'd do if you knew you couldn't fail. Thanks for joining me, Simone. Uh, I love that you say your dating life has been interesting but do you think that we date differently as we get older oh gosh well you know I'm gonna say as I get older I'm I am so much wiser with what I'm choosing and I would say in my younger years Sammy I would have chosen so many partners that you know judged me and my body because that and it was like judged judge had the same judgments of what I had so I was always choosing something less than and it was almost like it would be this this energy of going oh see look I choose this person they're judging the same thing I'm judging so that must be right I'm not I'm not that great uh and as I grew older you know what I, I got wiser and realized that I'm actually a pretty awesome person and I don't need to choose people who are mean or judgmental so I started asking for kinder people to show up so I think I had a plethora of you know, not very nice, kind men in my life. Do you think we kind of do that? We, we deliberately or subconsciously choose people who disempower us in a way? Yeah, I know I did. I really do. Um, <laughs> there was a friend of mine, I was living in America in California at some point, and he said to me, you know, you really should hook up with this guy. And I said, why? And he said, because you'll find out what it's like to be with someone who's kind. And so I did. And then the next morning I woke up and I, and I said, I've got to go for a walk. And I walked out of the house and I rang this friend of mine. And I said, you need to help me. And he goes, why? I went, he's so kind. I want to kill him. Yeah. And then when he showed me this kindness, I realized that I had put so many barriers up to that. You know, it was like, I can handle someone being mean. It was like, okay, got that down pat. But when someone's kind, you just like receiving that is like this open wound of vulnerability. So, so to me, that's been one of the biggest changes in my life is actually asking for people who to show up who are actually kind. It's kind of like the guy who's too nice. Why do we turn away from that? Yeah. There's a level of vulnerability when you're with someone who is incredibly kind to receive it. And, but you know what? I did end up asking for more kindness to show up and was in a relationship with a guy 
for eight years and he was incredibly kind and caring and nurturing and a very different person energy to be around. So why did you break up after eight years? Um, I do do know what actually started to kill it is we ended up buying this block of land up in Perigian Beach and I get what we were actually creating, uh, you know, cognitively or not cognitively, was this very normal, average, real, epic, you know, the right relationship. And I get that that actually started to kill it. it. It was no longer like this choice of waking up in the morning and going, hey, I'm with you. This is great. Do we want to continue? It became that that's what it was going to be, like this definition of that's it. You may as well brought the rocking chairs sort of thing. Uh, and he actually broke the relationship up. And I, I will admit I did that like, what have I done? You know, what's wrong with me sort of thing and did the, the trauma and drama. But I didn't choose it for very long because I was like, God, this is exhausting. And then I started to look at, okay, I think he's actually right because I wasn't getting as excited to see him as what I used to, which I think is one thing. If if you're not getting as excited to see your partner as you used to, then you might want to have a look at does something need to change or have you done what you were meant to do together and is it time to move on and actually choose something different? And we always said that to each other. If there was something else that we either of us desired then what would it take for us to be able to let go of the other person with like with some sort of ease <laughs> and allow that other person to choose that? So we did. Um, I will say he was definitely desiring space and not be tied into a relationship. But you know what? It is what it is. And I think what's really important, Sammy, is for people not to look at like that they are ever less than. It's like, you know, the relationship broke up, but I didn't have to break, you know. And and to tell you the truth, it's like my life has just gotten better and better and greater and greater. It's like I'm absolutely loving being single. So you talked about, you know, buying this lovely plot of land and settling down and the rocking chairs. If that's kind of what broke you up, that fear of the future, is that not leading to or the suggestion that either one or both of you are commitment phobes ultimately? No, I would say that we're um, more adventurous uh, beings. And I don't know about you, Sammy, but my whole life, I never wanted to get married. Like I, you know, when, when my friends were wanting to get married, I always was like, I don't get it. I don't get how you can look at somebody and say, I want to be with you in 50 years time. <laughs> when yeah. I don't even know what I want to be doing in 50 years time, like let alone with somebody else. So I, I've always had that, that mentality that People come and go in your life. Some last a very long time. Some last a shorter time. And I've always been okay with me. I've never needed a relationship. Like I was never, like out of all my friends, I was never someone who was like, oh, I've got to find a boyfriend. I was like, I can entertain myself. I'm good. Yeah. So no, I'm with you. I hear what you're yeah. saying. And I, I've been a bridesmaid several times. And as much as I've really been happy to be there supporting them and being there in that moment where they commit to each other, I've, I've sort of, as I've walked down the aisle at the time, thought, oh, God, I could never do this. I could <laughs> never do this. Yeah. And now every wedding that I've been a bridesmaid at bar one is now finished and divorced. Right. So that says a lot. What's in- that should be okay though as well. I mean, and if you look at the history of relationship, when you got married, it was to create wealth. I was watching a movie not long ago and, you know, it was you know, a few hundred years ago sort of said in that and this woman saying, I don't want to marry this guy. I want to, I want to be with this person, you know, who was like a kitchen hand. And she says, you need to marry this person basically so the families can create wealth and then you can do whatever the hell you want, which they used to do. They used to get married to create wealth and then have affairs and lovers everywhere. 
Well, this is what I discussed with a previous guest, Phil Brandell, who wrote an article suggesting that maybe marriages should come with renewal dates. It should be more like renting an apartment where you decide to renew or terminate the lease every six or 12 months rather than buying a house, which is a lifelong commitment. There's a lot of people that hear that and go, oh, that's disgusting. That is so awful that you could even suggest such a thing. You know, marriage is such a sacred institution you know it's it's like what if every I was like once every year or three years or something you sat down and went you know opened a nice bottle of champagne we're like hey let's have a cheers and go thank you so much for everything you've been in my life do you want to go another year or or do you want to call it quits like what if we could do that so I love that idea and here's my question Sammy is the people who go against that are they committed to themselves or are they looking to have this level of commitment and greatness in their life based on having somebody else in it? Because I think if you commit to you, that is way more important than anything else. So you never choose anything less than you're always, you know, you're following your dreams, the adventure that you want to live as your life. And if someone else comes along and plays with you for part of that, awesome. You've written a book, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? What prompted you to write this book? Uh, I co-wrote this book with Brendan Watt, who is my ex, and a lot of people asked us how we were creating our relationship because, I mean, he was 11 years younger than me. There were so many discrepancies. It didn't fit any normal, you know, relationship that you're supposed to have. Our main purpose of getting that book out there was to let people know it's okay, whatever you choose. So the reason why the book is actually called Relationship are you sure you want one, is a question. What is it that you would like, not what is it that you're supposed to be doing, you know, or supposed to be choosing. Not making relationship is your life. There's a hell of a lot we can do in the world today. And I see people choose relationship to be like the pinnacle rather than just one aspect of what's available. Yeah. And to me, if you're going to create a relationship, if you're going to be with someone, make sure it's at least 20 times greater than what you would choose alone. Like, you know, all the Hollywood movies, et cetera, always, you know, you are the half and it's like, you know, you complete me, all of those things. No, you complete yourself and then you can have a hell of a lot of fun with someone else when you're not looking at them as this like, you know, source of creation. It's like, you you got this, you wake up happy and then you're like, wow, you know, and then this other person here with me too. Yay. So I know with your book, you call yourself a relationship expert. What makes you an expert, do you think, in this area? You know what? I actually don't like that terminology. And I think our PR agent decided to love that. I think everyone is a relationship expert, to tell you the truth, because, I mean, haven't you been there, done that? You know, you've woken up some mornings and gone, damn, what did I choose that for? Or, you know, some relationships that you're in for a long time and you're like, how did I end up here? But you know what, every single relationship, every single encounter that you have with someone, I think you grow more and you gain. Like example, breaking up a relationship. Brandon and I actually broke up as we were launching the book, which nearly gave our PR agent, you know, a heart attack. But we were like, we've got this because we're still friends and we know where we're heading. And I think when you quote unquote lose something, most people look at the loss rather than what do they gain from this? Like, I had a great eight years with him. You know, we were very good at creating, say, wealth creation together. We were really creative together. So, and then what else did did we have from it? Like a lot of fun, et cetera. You posed the question, what if everything you've been told about relationships is a lie? What are these lies? 
Okay, so I would say, I mean, even look at the way you, you've grown up. Uh, you know, most people look at their parents as a reference point for how they should create a relationship. And to be honest, my father was such a kind, caring man and my mother was not. So, you know, looking at that and the way she treated him my whole life, it's like, gosh, I, I actually was very opposed to relationship earlier on. I was like, I'm not doing one. I don't see a good one. So why would I do one? But then I realized, oh, I'm looking at other people as a reference point for what I can create rather than, well, what would I like to choose? So I think even that um, that whole fairy tale of you're meant to get married by a certain age and then have kids and the white picket fence, like all of that. Like I, I left to go overseas when I was 19 years of age and travelled for three years and came back. And I overheard my mother at this family event saying, oh, she'll be happy when she finds the one. And I, I was like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm pretty much the only happy person in my family right now. But to her, happiness equaled finding the one, getting the house, getting the dog, having the kids. So what if all of that is a lie? Like everything you've ever been told about relationship is a lie. It's interesting because I had a similar situation where I was at the dinner table with mum and dad. I think I was about 28 or 29 at the time. And my dad said, I have an announcement to make. I just want to let you know that all funding for your wedding will be cut off when you reach 30. (laughs) And it's funny that, and, and, you know, my parents have been married for 55 years, so they just were conditioned to believe that I would find happiness in someone else. Yeah. And, and there's that meme, I don't know if you've seen it, every Father's Day, my gift to my father is another year of me not getting married. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there are examples of people who do make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But just because there's examples of people who make it work, it doesn't mean that that has to be you. You know, if people look at other people as a reference point for what they should choose today, then where's your choice in that? Here's a great one. You should be like your mum and dad, Sammy. It's like, shouldn't you find a man and and be like your mum and dad? And it's like, no, that's worked for your mum and dad. And it sounds really beautiful and amazing. And let them have that and them not be right for it or not be wrong for it, but also, Sammy, not have you be wrong or right for what it is you choose and with no judgment, just what works for you. I know you've said rather than a relationship, maybe we should be looking for a creationship. What's that? I like the sound of this. Okay, if you look up the definition of relationship, it literally means the distance between two things. So when you're talking about a relationship, you're referring to the distance between me and this, you know, whether it's a person or a thing, etc. So by definition alone, it's, it's a separation. What if you actually asked for a creationship? That's like two people coming together or more, whatever. It could be in a workplace, anything. And it's like you have this creationship where there's this honoring of each other and you create more together than what you would alone. It becomes greater and bigger and bigger. So the same thing about relationship. It should be this person who is a contribution to you becoming more and becoming greater, but not based on that you're less than. So there's relationships, there's creationships. Have you heard of situationships? I have not, Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) This is what a lot of my friends are really into and 
rather than a full-time relationship with someone where you live together and spend, you know, as much time as possible together. A situationship is more appealing to a lot of my friends because it's where you, you've both got your own independent lives going on. You live in your own homes. You've probably got your own families from previous relationships and you come together maybe one or two nights a week to meet up, to go to the movies, to have dinner, have a glass of wine. You might spend the weekends together. You might even go on holidays together. So it's more situational than a full-time relationship. Do you think that could work, a situation? Oh, absolutely. It's like, and to be honest with you, that's what I've chosen the last two years. If you look at the old days as well, look at Downton Abbey. They have their bedroom. You have your own bathroom. You know, you have interjoining doors so you can join each other if you choose. But the whole thing of having your own space, I think it's, I, I love that. And like I said, that's actually what I've been choosing. I'm busy and I love what I do and I love my life. Uh, in March 2020, I was in um, Hungary in Europe and I had to come home, you know, got the last flight out of, of Budapest and then was here all of a sudden. I'm so used to traveling. So I sat down and actually looked at my life and went, what, do I, what would I like? And I did an Excel spreadsheet because I love an Excel spreadsheet and wrote down, you know, business, uh, money, relationship, sex, body, and geographical. And because so many people glump them together, like having relationship and sex together. And I was like, well, I like sex. So, okay, so what would I like with that? And then the relationship, I went, there's aspects of that that I actually really enjoy, but I don't desire to live with anyone in this moment with my house. But like you said, you know, having a meal together, a glass of wine, you know, going to the movies or just chatting like you know on my beautiful porch or something it's like I like that but I don't actually desire them to sleep in my bed every night but some nights you know so I love that so the the overriding goal of the spreadsheet was to map out your life over Just the next so I could get clarity because you know for the last 17 years I've been traveling nine ten months of the year so all of a sudden I was at home going oh now I'm home and I can't travel what what do I want this to be so I realized I hadn't really asked myself those questions of what would I like to create with money? What would I like to create with my body? You know, geographical, I put that down because I was like, do I actually want to live in Australia or do I want to move somewhere else? And don't become complacent with what you've chosen. And I think a lot of people do become complacent with where they're at rather than constantly being questioned. Because of course, when you break up a long-term relationship, everyone looks at you as like, oh, are you going to find another man? And I'm like, well, do I want one? But then I broke it down and was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I like aspects of it. So I love the terminology of it, uh, situationships, that you get to create it the way you would like it, not the way that you think you're supposed to choose. You get to choose. Yeah, I wanted to talk about why people sometimes prefer to stay in a bad relationship than to be single. Why do you think they do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is the fear of being single and that place of, where they're not confident in what they can create. You know, my father died quite a few years ago and I remember when he died and I was sitting in, in our shower bawling my eyes out and we have this like, you know, step in the shower and I'm sitting on the, the seat and, and in my head I'm like, who's going to look after me now? And then I stopped crying because I went, what? My father hasn't looked after me for years. But I realised that that was this mindset that my dad will always look after me. So I wonder when people are in a relationship, you know, have they decided, oh, maybe I couldn't afford to pay the rent on my own, then no one would look after me or I would, you know, always be alone. And 
I think it's about changing that mindset and like, what if you started looking at yourself and being committed to you? And to me, gratitude, trust, allowance, vulnerability, and honor, the five elements of intimacy. And if you can have those five with you, then you can have that with another. Then you're not looking at, I need a relationship. You get to choose it. So it's not a necessity. And I get it. There's a lot of people who, you know, maybe they've been married for a really long time and they're like, wow, how am I ever going to break away from this? What would life be beyond this? And to me, this is your life. It's not a dry run. So what if you could have that courage to wake up and say, I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to choose what actually works for me. Can you tell me those five points of intimacy again, please? Gratitude, trust, allowance, honor, and vulnerability. I mean, I really worked on that. That was a tool. I used to have it, (laughs) I used to write it on a post-it note, the five elements of intimacy and put them on my bathroom mirror. So every single day when I was brushing my teeth, at least twice a day, I would look at all of these five aspects and then, you know, ask where I wasn't being them and ask to be more of those five elements of intimacy so that I could become more of me. I think it's important to remember that ending a relationship doesn't mean it or you are a failure. I agree. And look, one of the tools that we used when we actually broke our relationship up as well is we knew we didn't, it wasn't like, you know, I'm done and walk away. I mean, we worked together as well. So we sort of had to look at that. But one of the things that we did too was we said, let's have a look at what we are asking of each other in this breakup. And we wrote down three things that we desired of each other. And number one on both of our lists was friendship. We're like, okay, we actually want to really make that work. See, I guess friendship is ideal in a a breakup where you haven't dishonoured or disrespected or lied or cheated on one another. But in a lot of situations where there's been dishonesty or bad behaviour, it's hard to want to be friends with that person. I'd love to talk for a second about what you just said because after we broke up, I had this sense that he wanted to be with this friend of ours and I asked him and he was like, no, 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 no. And then it was a few months later and they started sleeping together and I just knew, you know how you just know? And I asked him again and he said no and I was so angry that I knew and it wasn't acknowledged and I got really angry at him and we actually, um, we're co-owners in a castle in Italy And we were at this big gala at the castle and every molecule in my body was just getting so angry that that he lied to me. And it was really exhausting, Sammy. And the next day I I looked at him and I went, hey, do you want to come have lunch with me? Because this is too exhausting to be this angry at you. And and I was like, like, I don't want to be angry anymore. It's not doing any of us any justice. And And I said to him, I can't trust you anymore. And he said, yes, you can. He said, you can trust me to be an asshole. Oh, um, It was really cool conversation though because I'd always looked at him as I adored him. I thought he was absolutely wonderful. And it was like, well, I mean, look at all of us. It's like I can be kind but I can be an asshole too. It's like we can be all of that. I so know, when- but it sounds to me like you weren't angry that he was sleeping with this woman. It was angry that he lied to you about it. That is correct. So then how do you move forward knowing that he lied to you and he just tells you he's an asshole? Okay, so how do I move forward is uh, realise that, you know what, he he did lie and it was like, and that's what he said, you you can trust me to be an asshole. I I sort of felt relieved that I had the information 
You know, when when someone's hiding something, it's you can that's sort of more tugging on you more than anything. So then I had the information, and it was like, all right, well, what am I going to choose now? And like I said, I was so angry at him, and it was exhausting. Like I was not sleeping. So to me, it was like I now there was a relief in my world that I had the information, and there's not this thing that's like tugging on me. What if I didn't make him wrong for it? And now I know, and it's like, what else? Like move on. So thank you so much for your time and sharing so much of your story. I think there's one burning question that I need to ask you before we wrap up this chat is how do you become the co-owner of a castle in Italy? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's a bit random, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Look, we were traveling around Europe and uh, and some colleagues that I work with, had he'd said, I'd like to own a castle in Italy. And literally someone emailed us and said, I heard you'd like to own a castle. And sent us this link to this castle. It was hadn't been lived in for forty years. It was so run down. So there's a group of us, and we ended up buying this castle. It's uh, you know about an hour and a half from Milan, and it's absolutely stunning. It's so beautiful, and I cannot wait to get back there. <laughs> so you know, I have a travel business, and I do host tours of Italy. So I need to get some more information about that castle. Okay, I will send you a link for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, Simone, thank you so much. And I really hope you find what you're looking for. Thank you so much for having me on here, Sammy. It's been an absolute pleasure. This podcast is produced and presented by me, Sammy Lucas. Audio director is the amazing Robbie Wood. To find out more about me, my book or this podcast, check out my website at sammylucas.com. <laughs>